if you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those... What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into another edition of the Country Roads webcast, the season four kickoff show here. Just going to talk about some news. You know, got fall camp uh, coming up starting Friday. So uh, kicking off season four of the Country Roads webcast. Hard to believe it's about to be our fourth season. And uh, we're approaching, you know, 100 episodes. I believe this is 92. So, you know, getting there. Right. Once we get, you know, a few weeks in the season, we'll be 100 episodes in. But, uh, you know, I'm Jordan Cruz and joined as always by my lovely co-host. Uh, we got Steven. Hey, everybody. And Bradley. The- and uh, here mainly to talk some West Virginia football, but uh, I think the big elephant in the room anytime you're talking college football right now, of course, is conference realignment. So I uh, figured we'd kick off with a little bit of uh, that. Uh, big thing that came out today is uh, Bob Bowlesby, Big 12, meeting with the uh, Pac-12 to discuss maybe a scheduling alliance or a merger or something there. <laughs> um, I'm kind of in the camp that thinks that maybe that's uh, them thinking WVU is not going to be around for this or, you know, something like that, because I don't think that West Virginia would want to be a part of that. Or maybe if that's going on, then West Virginia is going to come out and say, maybe, you know, we're done if that, something like that happens. But uh, what are your guys kind of thoughts on that and just kind of where we're at in conference uh, realignment as we stand currently, Stephen? Uh, I still think that West Virginia is going to join the ACC eventually. I just think that things are going to unfold, I guess, um, as they should. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a slow process right now. I think Bob Bowlesby's doing everything in his power to make sure that things happen as slow as they possibly can right now because he's in panic mode, absolutely. as they should be because the conference is in just absolute horrible shape. Um, you know, But I do think West Virginia will be in the ACC when it's all said and done. Uh, next best thing will be Big Ten. But if, they, if, the, if the Big 12 merge, merges with the Pac-12, I don't think – West Virginia is in a good spot at all if that happens. Yeah, that, that would be terrible for West Virginia. That's why I say that maybe the Big 12 is thinking, you know, West Virginia is going to use this to go ahead and get out, and they're doing this uh, thinking West Virginia is not going to be around or something because it would be hard for them, hard pressed for me to think that they'd be um, believing that West Virginia would be accepting of something like that, having to go play further out west than they already are. Um, Bradley, what are your thoughts on this uh, Big 12, Pac-12 deal? Um, well, on the Big 12, Pac-12 deal in general i'm not a big fan obviously being a west virginia fan we don't want to be going out farther west like what steven was just talking about um but i i think that this is more of a ploy to just like uh so, so what i i've been trying to keep up with this as much as i can what i think is going to happen is ideally for wvu i think we're trying to wait out maybe a year or two and we're going to try to get this big buyout that's supposed to be coming with texas and oklahoma which would be massive for us i mean Walking into the ACC with a couple extra 20, 30 million in our pocket, absolutely be pretty big. And so I think that what West Virginia wants to do is stay in the Big 12 for at most like two years, I think. You know, just see if they can wait out this contract thing and see if they can get some of that buyout money and then be able to leave with it or, you know, make it easier for them. And so this might be some of Bob Bowles would be being like, hey, you want to leave. Like, we're going to kind of force your hand on it. Because I think that if they get us in with the Pac-12, then I think that we're going to have no other choice but be like, hey, like, we really need to get to the ACC. And then we're going to have to fork up some money to right. balance out of there as well. So I'm not sure what's going on. I definitely don't want to be playing in the Pac-12, though. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. That'd be – that's, like, almost worst-case scenario. I think I'd prefer, like, an AAC thing over over that even. Yeah, I guess we wouldn't have down last resort anymore, though. Coming yeah. down absolute last resort – I wouldn't say that I would take the double AC over, over the Pac-12. You take, I would. And you take I the, would the I mean, yeah, you would I'll, in terms of travel, but you wouldn't in terms of, you know, where it would line you up in terms of a playoff berth. Because, well, I, I mean, mean in even, all reality, West Virginia wants to set themselves up as a program to be one of the elites, whether they are or not, you know. That's true. Remains to be seen, right? But that's what the athletic department really is wanting to set ourselves up as. I mean – as well as the fan base, I believe. But no, I, I I do see what you mean by going to the AAC and you know versus the Pac-12 in terms well, yeah. of yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, uh, I really think there's eleven really p.m. kickoff just, times. Yeah, yeah, I really think that was, this is just a ploy for Bob Bowlesby to kind of put some pressure on WVU to not 
necessarily like pull out so quickly because that's like i said i ideally i think we want to sit in our predicament right now because we're fine i mean we're literally the least stressed big 12 team outside of texas and oklahoma right now i mean we got the least amount of worries because we got places to go over here you know we're not as pressured to try to fight other people to get into the pac-12 or the big 10 or the sec or whatever's happening well it seems to me that like the way people talk about West Virginia's program in terms of this conference realignment so far, I mean, from what I gather, the way that people have acted is if we've already went to the AAC or the ACC. I mean, I mean, it gives me that impression that's, when you see all of it, these. I think it's almost like a, pres- a presumed thing by m- most of the fan base that West Virginia is going to the ACC, which could be a heartbreaker if they don't end up there. Is the only bad thing, right? I mean, you see yeah. all these diagrams; it's kind of hard to you know to think, and I think that you end up difference. in another spot. I think that uh, just like us, us as fans and like being on the outside looking in, I don't think we really know exactly like whether we're begging the ACC to let us in or if the ACC really wants us in, but they're really just waiting on like Notre Dame or a bigger piece to come in with us. Because I do think that we are like behind Texas and Oklahoma. I think we're like one of the premier schools in the Big 12. I mean, I think that we are like the next ranked down, maybe not necessarily in football, but in basketball and everything else. I mean, we're we're up there. And I mean – so, like, I I think it really comes down to whether, I mean, do we know if the ACC really wants us? Because I think that, like, they would take us if we brought another OK school. They'll definitely take us with Notre Dame, but they definitely want, you know, us and Notre Dame, I think, is their ideal selection. Has but to I be a package. Deal. I think from the outside looking in, it's just hard to know whether we're that valuable or if we're not that valuable. And nobody's really telling us, so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That I mean, a good point. Uh, but I think. The, the ACC, the thing is, that came out, because, uh, you know, the Clemson to Florida State rumors, we can talk about those uh, rumored that they had reached out to the SEC, which, of course, Clemson has come out and outright denied that, and I think that's what stands out, because when the Texas-Oklahoma thing came out, they never had a denial. They just kind of danced around it, and you had outright denial from uh, Clemson, and uh, I'm not sure about Florida State if they did also or not, but, and then the the thing about the ACC that I learned is their grant of rights lasts until, like, 2036 or something, so their buyout would be even higher than what Texas and Oklahoma are going to have to pay that's up in 2025. So it's uh, it's it's tough to see uh, Clemson or Florida State or anybody really leaving the ACC, which makes you think the ACC is going to have to be proactive and come out and uh, snag up some of these teams. But uh, what are your guys' thoughts, uh, Clemson, Florida State? Do you think that thing is, uh, you know, pretty much been refuted and the ACC, no one's going to leave with that grant, grant of rights, not up, being up till 2036 and the buyouts they'd have to pay? Or uh, do you think it's still a possibility that one of those teams leaves and then that, increases West Virginia's chance of going to the ACC or does it, you know, lessen it? Uh, what do you think, Bradley? Um, I think this is a bunch of hullabaloo. I, I don't think that it's impossible to imagine the SEC trying to poach Clemson or Florida State, but I just don't think that they have any reason to leave right now. I mean, they're at the top of their conference. Are they going to make their life more difficult just for the sake of an extra, you know, a little bit of, I mean, a small money for probably Clemson and Florida State, you know? Would it be a big move for us to go to the SEC? Of course, it's a lot more money for us. But I don't think it's that big of an issue for Clemson and Florida State to have to worry about it right now. I agree. Uh, Stephen, what are your thoughts on that uh, situation as it's kind of unfolded from being a rumor to possibly refuted now? Well, I, I think I think the Clemson should stay in the ACC. I think I think they will stay in the ACC. I think me and you know when we talk about it, we you know like Brad just said, you know why would Clemson leave? you know, what they have now to go to a harder, you know, a harder schedule for, you know, you, you, you would make more money in the SEC in terms of all the TV deals you get with the prestige that Clemson has now. But Florida State, you know, what have they done in the past, you know, since Jamarcus Win- or uh, what's his name? James Winston. Winston. James Winston. James Winston, yeah, that was pretty much the last time they, you know, done anything. Florida yeah. State's just kind of would be going off name and, you know, reputation over the years more so than recent success. You lose Jimbo, you lose, you know, all you have how many losing seasons in the past five to ten years. Mm-hmm. See, I think that, I think program. more of the ACC trajectory trajectory should be less competing with the SEC and really trying to take on the Big Ten. Yeah, because I think that like I mean, Big Ten has like this powerhouse schools of Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Nebraska, right? Big, big money just in those four schools. Not that they've really been competing as well in the past years outside of Ohio State. So, like, I think the ACC, I think a team like Clemson should be more excited for a team like WVU to come in because we're increasing competition. I say we're not even really going to necessarily have to play Clemson every year if we're in the, is it the Atlantic Division 
or like the. Uh, I think those decisions would mix up depending on who joins the conference. I still don't think we would but, be with Clemson. What? I think that we would be with the top northern schools. And so I think that like trying to bring us in is a better competition against the Big Ten no, and trying to build your four core, you know, maybe even more and try to build that up and try to maybe like compete with the Big Ten because eventually it's going to be the SEC and somebody else. And yeah, that's, that's a great question. Is, do you want to be that somebody else or do you want to join, you know, get devoured? So Yeah, that's a great point because uh, that's one kind of thing I've been thinking about is, um, if you're looking at the remaining schools, like if you're not counting the schools that are already in the Pac-12, already in the ACC, already in the Big Ten, and already in the SEC, you're talking about the remaining Big 12 schools and the top uh, group of five schools that teams would be looking to add to those respective conferences. I don't really know, and not not necessarily counting the Pac-12 due to the geography issue, but I don't really know of a team that you can say presents a better case to be the possibly best remaining team to add to your conference out of those that are left than WVU. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, when we mentioned, you know, the the facilities and the technology that we've just got, you know, all of the recruits that we're gaining for the next 2022 class, I mean, that's a good resume if you're WVU, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because you're going up against the rest of the schools in the Big 12 and then, you know, some of the top, you know, group of fives. I guess Central Florida would be a big one, you know, Houston, uh, BYU, because they've been able to function as independent. But I think, you know, West Virginia presents a good argument, you know, top 25 team regularly in football and basketball, which a lot of these aren't. You know, usually it's one or the other. And uh, West Virginia has a rabid fan base. And I think that they are maybe the best remaining piece out of the pieces that are kind of left out of the – big conferences right now and i don't want to say the big 12 i guess free agents if, if you will i could say that but uh bradley what do you think yeah i we're definitely the most valuable piece out there hands down i think that what hurts us is great competition we don't have the money to bring with it you know mm-hmm. which is like i think which is the biggest part of us joining the acc is a lot of these acc schools like boston college duke virginia tech they i they're gonna if they bring us in they're gonna have tougher competition so it's not even somebody that they're guaranteed to beat not only that but they're going to be losing a little bit of a little bit of money for it because they're adding in an extra team and then we're not really bringing as much money into it and i mean if we excel then we're going to be taking more money away you know a spot in the conference championship that they could have filled in and got a little bit extra money for now we're competing for that and we've got a good chance of making it to it so i think that that's what's killing us is just like the fact that we're bringing a lot of competition great competition but just not as much money as like what texas would but i definitely think that us I hear BYU a lot. I don't know why Houston isn't getting more love. Uh, it's yeah. probably because Dana Holgerson's down there, and nobody really wants Dana Holgerson. And they've so. been pretty probably, bad the past couple of years. Yeah. yeah, once he goes, <laughs> that that program will get a big boost. But, yeah, I think – yeah, I I would honestly say Houston might be, be a better market. If that's what you're going for money-wise, then a big chunk of the Big 12 schools that are remaining. So Outside of West Virginia, I think UCF is one of the higher higher rated ones for, for, for me that I'd put up there in competition with West Virginia. And then, like I said, BYU, I think, because you can tell that they've been able to function as independent. That's that's tough to do, and they've been able to do that and remain, you know, valuable and, and, and bring in some money and stuff for the for the university. And, you know, you're talking about the money. That's, that's a big part of that. That's what's kind of driving this realignment. And uh, one of the factors of West Virginia leaving that I think people aren't taking into account is if West Virginia is to announce they're leaving – uh, they're going to re- and they want to leave, let's say 2022, 2023, they're going to owe, you know, two years worth of the money they're getting, which I think is like 37 million for each team in the big 12, you know, the second highest one behind the SEC. So that'd be almost 80 million West Virginia have to pay for two year buyout, which either the, I'm sure the conference West Virginia was going to would foot, foot some of that, but how big of a factor do you think that plays Steven as to seeing if West Virginia waits, you know, a couple years until making a move? Um, I think the money plays a big part of it because, you know, West Virginia is a school that doesn't want to throw money away. Um, you know, you want all the money and extra money that you can. So if if it will be, you know, and I know that no one really knows what's going to happen, but it would be smarter to be patient, but also be proactive. I know that doesn't, I mean, that's an oxymoron really, but I, I don't feel like Shane Lyons is, is left in the dark in this in this yeah, whole don't thing. I think gun. that he don't knows gun, I know that he knows what he's doing he comes from he I don't want to say it like that but he does come from Alabama and now in Alabama you Absolutely. learn a championship pedigree and there's a certain amount of intelligence you gain from that in some level I believe and I think 
you know, he's showing that. He's been calm this whole entire time. It's been nothing. This, On some levels, I, I've, I've been reminded of the way that, you know, we left the Big East back right. in, in 2011. But in a lot of ways, I haven't. I think this whole situation has, has been a little bit different. But. It is. I think it is different because, you know, it's the same. I see this, we're talking about the similar similarities, but uh, it's different because, you know, the Big East, it was collapsing and we knew that. So we knew we weren't going to have to owe them anything in the long run because the exactly. league was dissolving. And if you were to announce, you know, whoever comes out is the next team to announce, they're going to be on the hook for that money until more teams follow. And, you know, the Big 12 is, you know, dissolving itself. So, uh, Bradley, do you think that that's going to prevent West Virginia from from leaving sooner? Is this is this buyout or they going to have to wait till some other teams leave? Yeah, I think this goes back to what I was saying just uh, a few minutes ago, where it's just like, I think West Virginia ideally wants to wait. Oklahoma and Texas can bounce. They can pay their fine. We can hold to that money because with the Big 12 contract right now, from the way I understand it, if even one school stays and commits to the Big 12, then they get all the money from all the buyouts. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people have been talking about getting like maybe a solid four together, like Oklahoma State, Kansas State. Uh, I don't know, just some of the schools in there, like four of them just sticking together and agreeing not to leave the Big 12 and agreeing to put themselves on the line just for that buyout money. So, like I said, I think perfect scenario, absolute perfect scenario. Um, West Virginia gets it worked out with the ACC. Like, hey, we'll come to the ACC in a couple years. We'll wait till the contract runs down a little bit. And then, you know, we'll bounce over. And ideally what happens is Oklahoma and Texas leave. We get that money out of that buyout. And then I don't think that the Big 12 is going to make it past that. And so I think that it'll start to dissolve. And then ideally everybody kind of like breaks up the Big 12 splits after that. We don't have to pay our part of the buyout, right? which would be ideal. But I think that this is where I was talking about where Bob Bowles be coming in and saying, hey, no, we're going to start negotiations with somebody else. And we'll see if we can get into another conference because that doesn't allow us to sit back and be passive exactly. and just coop, recoup that money. It's a really so, sticky situation right now with that yeah, involved because if something like that happens, you're, you're going to have to bounce and you, then you're, you know what I'm saying? You're going to have to pay that buyout money unless you want to go to Corvallis every weekend. I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I just don't see, and like I said, we're like, or like Stephen was saying, we don't, we're not a school that has a lot of money. I mean, we don't have as big as, we have got a massive fan base, but we don't have as much money in our fan base because, you know, it's state we come from. But right. uh, I, hopefully that's what happens, but you just, you just don't know. But like Stephen said, I'm glad I've got Shane Lyons and Gordon, Gordon Gee, Gee up there running the ship because I do trust them, but I really hate how out of the loop it seems like everybody else is. And so I don't know. It's just it's worrisome. Oh, yeah, yeah I think I think the bad. letter that that Shane Lyons released was very. It made me a little bit more comfortable in the situation, just knowing that you know he's not sitting back and talking to the big you know the Big Twelve about things. He's letting our fan base know, look, we're going to do what is best and what's necessary, you know, to provide us with adequate competition every year and to keep us as a power five or power four or whatever you know may end up to be we will be one of those schools and And i think something that's pretty telling is that i what may might make you feel like shane lyons might have a little bit better thumb on the pulse of things is the fact that i feel like we saw this nil stuff coming a little bit better than everybody else did because you got to see neil brown and them already had the peak program up and running and I mean, they saw it coming. And if they saw that coming, maybe they saw, you know, hey, if this NIL passes, as soon as that happens, Texas and Oklahoma, they're bouncing. We got to have our ducks in a row. And because I could, I'd heard Possible. that we'd been talking to ACC in the past couple of months, which is like, well, that's, that's encouraging. If you and Texas have been in talks for six months, then I know that West Virginia has, they've mm-hmm. got to know something. No, you know what I mean? was, as blindsided as everybody else felt, I mean, Oklahoma State felt absolutely shafted. Texas A&M really didn't see this coming. So I really think that they were holding it tight to the vest, but I think Shane Lyons and them were smart enough to know, hey, NIL's coming up, conference realignment's coming up. This is probably what's going to happen. Oh, Texas OU are going to bounce early, and we need to be ready to bounce with them, you know? Absolutely. I think, you know, I think that you've definitely got some proactive people with guys that kind of see what's coming with, you know, like you said, Gordon Gee, Shane Lyons, and Neil Brown. So I think West Virginia, like you said, they're going to land on their feet. It's just kind of – shaky to see how it's going to all work out, you know, going from here. And, uh, you know, we'll just uh, kind of, I guess, every episode, I mean, every week on the pod, trying to probably have to start off with some conference realignment because, you know, every week yeah. it's going well, to be I think after this, I think after the Big 12 sending the cease and desist letter, I think interconference 
talks will be hush hush, and I don't think we'll hear about them anymore. Yeah, hopefully it's hopefully it cools down because I, I want to talk about you know the season and you know let the season be in focus and not every game the commentators oh, are talking about conference realignment the entire time. You know, it's I want to be able to enjoy the game you know in the season itself. But uh, with that being said, y'all ready to move on or any final thoughts on conference realignment? You guys want to uh, throw in there before we uh, take off to something else? No, I, I just want to say that for me, if if conference realignments talks or I mean what and or will be going to be the main discussion this season it's going to be a lot of fun going to these games and i know me and you Cruz, we're going to be up in college park for maryland that's but, right first game but also in morgantown man these games are going to be fun i believe because that ou game you the only texas, got what i mean texas you only got a couple more times if that's the case so you you only i mean maybe only one more gone. time i mean i don't maybe know. only one more time you know i so, might give them another another year it, after this one maybe but i don't think no way they're going long that's, that's what i told my girlfriend that's more special to me mm-hmm. yeah so that's what i told my girlfriend i said that's the biggest part about this i said is that we don't have too many warm shots at oklahoma and i said that feels like an abusive relationship and i said we just haven't gotten our comeuppance yet I we said, need we it get slapped around every year Gosh, I, hope trying we, to I hope we beat oklahoma man that would be amazing you know i've always said the 20 or to us 2007 would always keep me content with with that uh you know that the little Fiesta series Bowl, that we yeah, had I mean, that was but one of their best teams so. on some level i have to we have to beat them at least once in the big 12 yeah you would want to absolutely mm-hmm. i agree it's almost uh, a penn state type deal back in the I think, uh i think after 70s we got and 80s blown out in that snowball game in morgantown like four years ago five years ago oh yeah it's 2016 yep it and i think that's what got me upset again <laughs> Yeah, that was that, that game, and I, well, and then, I was very upset the, about the, that the game. Will Greer game it, they should have won. The block out of bounds that just killed it. I was uh, like, yeah. the one that Brad's talking about specifically, I was very upset at that game because one, I've been to a lot of games, bar none, one of the coldest ones I've ever been to. I mean, you couldn't move without just hurting so bad. And weren't we both in and, the top ten? Yeah, yeah and, that, and we got yeah. blown out like 20, yeah, 28 to nothing in the first yeah, quarter to start or something off. crazy like that. But didn't so just, we, that's I, the game that uh, he who shall not be named uh, ran for like 300-some yards. Yeah, yeah, that is true. It's so, still I mean, not fun. They, they came back, but if they'd have started off better in that game, I, I still feel like that we could have had a chance in that one. I think the start killed them because I think I remember that we fumbled a punt or something early and it just killed everything, and then it went snowballed from there. Yeah, yeah I think the, that was our cold got to Yep, of where, course. Where we didn't put anybody back for punts. Well, hopefully they hopefully they uh, do something this year against Oklahoma. I like our I like our team. I like our chances. But uh, uh, let's talk about uh, some uh, WV basketball news. NBA draft this past weekend. Uh, Deuce McBride goes in the second round to the Knicks, and also Javon Carter traded to the Brooklyn Nets. So both those guys going to be in New York. Uh, any thoughts on that, fellas? Uh, you like the landing spots for uh, the two former Mountaineers? Uh, I love it. I, I'm not. I've never really been a Knicks fan, but I love it for Deuce. I think Deuce is going to excel in the NBA. I love Jav- I and I love Jal- Javon too, but uh, I don't really see in him getting a lot of time in Brooklyn. I, I, I see him getting time if they, you know, in the regular. I mean, not season like he was killing Kyrie time is, with the Suns, but yeah, right. I mean, he played in the regular season though. He did. He did, playoffs, he did well when he did play. I mean, he picked LeBron James's pocket a few times. As well as some other big name guys, I, I remember seeing him, you know, get some steals and going down and getting some easy layups. And in my mind, Javon's drastically improved as a shooter. He wasn't that's true. He wasn't bad offensively in college, but in my mind, he just wasn't that prolific. His more he made his name on the defensive side yeah, of the offense, ball. Offense in the NBA is just guns blazing, and if you're not even right, right, close yeah, to if it, you know. yeah. I, I I would argue. I, just, that I can't I can't mind, get it much I'm, into pro basketball anymore. I'm biased, but I would argue that he's better than Patrick Beverly in my mind. I could Patrick see that. Beverly is no. one of the top defensive would, players would, in, in the league. I'd back you up on that Brad, argument. He just Brad has to have the chance. What? I'd back you up on I don't, that argument. I don't think he's better than Pat Bev. I'd yeah. back you up on that argument. Just I just think that, <laughs> that guy's an all star, isn't he? <laughs> I know I'm biased. Shit. Yeah, that's Patrick a Beverly is an all-star trash talker. He doesn't really do anything to back <laughs> it up. I haven't seen anything in the playoff, in the playoffs, where it all matters, where he talks the most trash that he's done yeah. to back it up. But the guy was good enough to see the court, and Javon was not. That's you, well, gotta that's, put, I mean, you got that's me there, buddy. But Javon's still young; he's got a chance. But Deuce. But Deuce, I think, is going to be a, a a guy. And the Knicks, Somebody I think, that's said, a perfect situation going to tip from Huggins to Thibodeau. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hey, let's not let's not uh 
forget about my guy back in from uh, back in the day, Joe Mazzula. He's uh, oh, yeah. over there in yeah. Boston, uh, assistant coach. You just named the summer league head coach. I was gonna say he's coaching that summer league squad. So hey, yeah, uh, you know, if, uh, after Huggy, uh, that's a guy that I might want to take a look at right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Joe might, is might the fall in though. line. Well, let's hope that's a while out. away. Uh, let's hope. Let's hope we still got a few more years. But, but um, I think I'm not a big fan of Javon in Brooklyn. I think that. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't I know think that might be his out. last stop before he gets popped out of it. If anything, I think he's going to be more of like a, like an icon, like a hey, this guy works hard and he's still here kind of thing, and kind of pushes everybody else. But I just don't. I thought he was very comfortable and very loved in the Suns, but if that's not enough to keep him there, then I just don't think Javon's got too much longer in the NBA. For Deuce, I feel bad for Deuce. I I think he got some bad information. I think he's a first rounder. Sure, I really do. And I think that he got some bad information and went a little bit too early. I think if he stays another year in college, which, of course, I'm being selfish and I want to keep that dude here for the next 20 years. Screw the NBA. Just play college ball. But um, I, I don't know much about the Knicks other than the fact that they have not had a good year in a long time. They might have gone over this year. They, the this year they got made the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah, that was the first time they've gone like over yeah. 500 in forever. Uh, I was going to say the Knicks really surprised me this year. RJ Barrett really came to ball. But yeah, yeah, I hope so, Deuce. Yeah. I hope Deuce excels, but I, I think just, he'll have a role there for sure. Yeah, I oh, think yeah. he'll. I, I think he. I think he internally wishes he would have stayed another year. Now knowing that he probably could have gone first round next year. Yeah, Deuce I think, had a little bit more time. Well, Maybe, all the mock but, drafts I've seen had him going first round, and then I was expecting it you know, in the twenty to thirty, and then when the draft came and he fell to the second, I was like, man, I thought for sure he yeah. was going in the first. But I think if it went to the right team, because the Knicks loved him, and I said the fit with Thibodeau is great, and you got, I think I seen. Um, it's the first time I think that like in 2010 or 20, 2008 or something, West Virginia had two players in the NBA. But other than that, this is the first time since uh, the 1960s. I, I think I read a tweet about that wow. or something like that. So that's yeah, that's, what, that that's what I was getting ready to say. You know, it doesn't seem it seems like, you know, we want to feel sorry that he fell to the second round. But on some level, I'm just I want to see West Virginia get back to that level of prestige in basketball, you know, to send guys to the league. I want us to be known as that type of school instead of. You know, the school that's good every year with the, the lower-level guys. I want us to get those lower-level guys and develop them into NBA talent. And I think that if Bob Huggins hasn't done anything else at WVU, that's what he's done because we've gotten more guys that have been looked at by the NBA, I feel like, than we that's did true. during the 80s and 90s or the early 2000s. Yeah, I don't mean to disrespect Gail Catlett and jo- John Beeline, but But, yeah, I mean, people got to realize – just being a football fan, I didn't realize until I got into basketball in college, it's hard to become an NBA player. I mean, you got, got sixty kids that go every year, and half the time, maybe ten of those stick around, and maybe five of those actually make a career out of it. Yeah. You know, That's versus what? Right versus there. what? A fifty-some man football roster in the NFL? Yeah, yeah seven, not seven saying that's easy by any means to make that, but I mean. That's why I feel like West Virginia has a lot more West Virginia guys than basketball or football guys than basketball guys that make the league because, you know, the roster sizes for the most I part. I mean, and I think uh, you're with Deuce and Javon, you're talking, what, two of the two of the top ten, probably two of the top five West Virginia basketball players of all time. Yeah. So, I mean, you got them both Those in the league at some Behind time, the so. other guys that played in the league. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think what I was going with that is the fact that like we we recruit guys who I mean usually you know you're going to the league out of high school. I mean most kids coming out of high school you know if you're going to make it to the NBA or not. And then if you're if you're like on the fringe you know you got to work for it. But I think that Bob Huggins is taking guys that you know really weren't considered NBA players and turned them into it. Like Deuce and Javon, you know guys that probably really wouldn't have got there any other way. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I we still get those types of players. They just don't ever pan out. I mean, Oscar yeah, Sheboy, you know, <laughs> yep, guys like uh, that. Eric just, Murray. Um, <laughs> I mean, a know, bunch of guys. List, you know, yeah. And even Aaron, the guys Aaron that Harris, do. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. Well, you know, I, I was going to – a bunch of that pretty much whole roster right there that you yeah. just named well, cleared out didn't those pan out. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, even the guys that sometimes stay for two years and they're like, okay, I'm going to go to the league. Sacabacanate, Devin Williams, you know, a lot of those guys. The, they feel like, okay, well, I feel like I can make a name in the league, and if not, I can go overseas. A lot of those guys come back. They're not they're not paying out as pro players because I don't feel like, like you said, they're they're waiting long enough and they're letting their talent develop enough. Absolutely. Well, they let their agents. The they let their agents convince them, like, oh yeah, you'll definitely get drafted. Oh yeah, yeah, you'll definitely get drafted. It just oh, doesn't happen. But I mean, what? Well, well, that's my thing. If an agent's telling the kid that, why would you tell a kid that if you just if you know that they're going to be 
you know, done God. with this two and a half year period versus well, you being their agent for <clears throat> the next 15 years. My only thing is, I guess that even if they don't get drafted and say this guy goes plays overseas somewhere or goes to the G League, I mean, you've signed a contract. That guy's still going to be your agent, whether you're in the NBA or not. I you're suppose. still paying him money. Yeah. Yeah, so, but if I mean, you ain't got that money to pay him, you're going to be let go I mean. eventually. I know <laughs> yeah, it's dirty. It's kind of dirty. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense to me, you know, why agents operate like that versus, you know, how they could and improve a player's longevity and get, you know what I mean? And make oh, their yeah. own. Oh, yeah, I agree. Lucrative. I agree. But, uh, you know, I think, like I said, it speaks to Bob Huggins and how he's developed, uh, you know, his players through the program and not only that, but developed the program. And I think speaking of developing the program, how about those uh, facility upgrades at the uh, Puskar Center, the new Hall of Tradition is going to be open to the public. I'm excited to get in there. Uh, first home game of the season. I'm going to be back in the stadium. First home game I'll get to go to since 2017. So I'm excited about that. But uh, those facilities, have you guys seen those, the tour Neil Brown gave and how awesome those are, locker room, all that. What are your thoughts there, Bradley? Ah, yeah, top of the country. I think a lot of people are impressed by it, and glad to see some of this money going to a good spot. Yeah, absolutely. Steven, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I absolutely love them. I, I, my personal oh, favorite beautiful. is probably the locker room. I love that, that they have that you know that huge that video board over there that plays all the time, That the logo that hangs from the ceiling. I'd love mm-hmm. to get one of those in my room. That would be dope. Well, I'm just excited to have the Hall of Traditions open again. You know, they've upgraded it. It's going to look awesome to go in there and see what it looks like. But, you know, that was one of my favorite things, you know, back Rich Rod, Bill Stewart days, go down early for a game, go down there, go in the Hall of Traditions, walk around, look around. And then Dana Holgerson era comes, they lock that shit up. No one's allowed in, you know, kind of yep. like Dana did a lot of the program and stuff. So uh, it's good to see that not only getting upgraded, but uh, giving fans access and, you know, uh, involving the fans yet again. And that's all I'll say about that. Uh, you guys didn't know we don't like Dana Holgerson. <laughs> this is not just, a pro I want to name podcast. this show the We Hate Dana. Well, and the bad yeah, thing I'm is, a... it was a pro Dana podcast, you know, prior to 2018. I love you Dana know, Holgerson. I saw the we're just heartbroken is all. We're just heartbroken that we were not good at our jobs. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, we should have known. He blinded that he me to how bad he was. He lied to me. Yeah, I mean, well, he's such a good X's and O's guy, and he's like a used car salesman, so, you know, he's he's going to sell you that BS pretty good. Well, I mean, he'd get hey. those transfers, and he'd be like, oh, my God, that's so great. We got Will Greer. Holy shit, like, that's going to be yeah, so good. Not, not realizing this guy has no foresight recruiting down the road and just going yeah. year to year and yeah. screwing yeah. everything. Dana Holgerson's <laughs> definitely right. We definitely can't recruit, so we might as well go after these right, two right. Hey, hey, speaking of recruiting, let's – Let's spend a little few minutes on that. I know we never really got to talk about the big commitment of Nico Marchiol, followed by, you know, some four-star athletes, uh, four-star corner, you know, four-star running back, another four-star receiver now. And how about this 2022 recruiting class Neil Brown's putting together? I believe 16 commits right now, top 25 in the country, I think 21st or 22nd, depending on if you look at rivals or 247. I like to use 247 personally, and I think they're 22nd there right now and on the verge of possibly the best uh, recruiting class in school history. What are your thoughts on the class and who's the stand out to you Stephen? Uh, it's got to be nico i mean nico is going to bring in more talent for that entire recruiting class and then you know then some onto the 2023 and 2024 class i believe than i think anybody would on hit for that kid to be that age he is such a good recruiter oh I mean, my you hear gosh. him talk and and the way that he you know just very likable guy conversational people yeah oh absolutely i mean you could have swore the guy was you know his already dealt with media he probably already has dealt with a lot of media but i mean the way that he deals with everyone and deals with questions is questions that he's asked when especially when he was on three guys with tony and and then i know you guys probably watched that absolutely i just it just feels like he's already a professional you know the way that he handles himself he's a brand and he's going to make his money doing that so absolutely if you're a west virginia fan you you've got to hope that the kid stays in morgantown you got to because yeah, that's what's it. Call, uh, call it a little, call a little, call a little foreshadow. But I think Garrett Green's bouncing. That's what. Well, it depends. I think that that's uh, the only th- issue you bring up um, is Nico coming in thinking he's going to be the starter, and if he loses out to Green, he's gone. Or if Green gets, uh, you know, bumped by him, is Green gone? I, I, you may be losing one of those two guys. I think and, we are guaranteed you know, that's going to hurt those guys, and we'll have yeah. Will Crowder as a backup unless he pops off and embarrasses everybody and and you know that's that's the bad thing is that's that's just the name of the game now that's that's anywhere if you get a big time quarterback and a guy's been sitting there waiting and he comes in one of those guys is going to bounce because that's i mean transfer portal can transfer without sitting out a year now at least once so i mean that's just it's going to be 
the way it is. I'm sure with the kind of mentality that Garrett Green has, I like Garrett Green. Got nothing against him, but you can definitely tell he's got a little bit of a me complex. You know, a little bit. I mean, his confidence, his cockiness. He's a showman. You, should, you, you need that. You need that for a college sports. You do. But I think that, you know, maybe some of the reasons why we didn't see him come and play last year when we were struggling, you know, might be more telling of what his game's like. Maybe he's not as good as what we, you know, put a lot of weight on. And now that we got another guy in the wings that we can look at and compare to, you know, we can take off those Garrett Green goggles and be like, oh, maybe maybe we're not just tied West Virginia fans do a lot. I mean, coming True. from a guy that's like this program since the time he could walk, West Virginia, I think, is one of the worst fan bases in the country of like, you know, over pursuing one player. The I backup quarterbacks. I mean, I would say all favorite. of us were high on Garrett Green last year, really pushing him to get in. And now I feel like all of us right now would be like, ah, I'd much rather see what Nico's got, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're all, I think we've all, I think a lot of people. You know, I think Garrett Green was ranked higher coming out of high school than Nico was. I still want to see what Garrett Green's got. Hey. We got to remember the kid was young last year. He's, yeah, you know, I mean, he, making he's those got a chance to develop. Conflict. So we'll see. Right, I think yeah. that he's going to have a role in the offense this year. But I think, you know, another thing about that is a lot of people have really come around on Jared Dagey throughout the off seasons with some of the things that he's done. And the way that Coach Brown has talked about talked about him, and you know he was on some award watch lists along with you know Letty Brown and uh, Dante Stills. Uh, I've seen him on a watch list. Mike O'Laughlin, uh, Winston Wright. So you know Western getting some love in the preseason, and you know Jarrett Dagey getting some love in the preseason on a Maxwell Award, you know Player of the Year watch list. So I just kind of want to talk a little bit about uh, the players that are on those watch lists, and what are your guys' thoughts on Jarrett Dagey? Do you got high hopes for him this season? And Wait, then can, you know, can we finish up recruiting first and then come back to yeah, that? Yeah, we're yeah, talking about recruiting and then got, Let's got distracted because we got yeah, we got into quarterbacks and, like uh, and I just jumped ahead. You know, you yeah, know how we do. Um, I, I think my one of my favorite recruits is Mumu. I think I think he's got the same swagger that oh, yeah. Nico's got, and I think he's a big part of it. I think he plays better than what he looks. And I also was looking at the other day talk about recruiting. We got another two four star recruits that are predicted to go to WVU. That's Kikwada and. Um, well, that's not even counting Mangum, who was supposed Mangum, to commit who's a, Yeah, I don't. I said Michigan State's creeping in on that. I'm a little nervous about the Mangum uh, thing, I think, but I hope I he think comes. he is solidified WVU. I think he's too excited. And then Traverius Lathan, I mean, he's predicted to go to V2, and he's another top well, three. And let me tell you, if West Virginia lands all three of those, you're talking about probably a top 15 in the nation recruiting class, by far best in school history. So Neil well, Brown has really turned it in. We've also got Trent Ramsey, who's a 2022 recruit who's an offensive lineman that took an official visit. We were his last official visit, I believe. He's been really quiet on social media, but, I mean, it's pretty – I remember Neil Brown talking about how that that's what his idea was, is he always wanted to get the last visit of every guy he could because you want to be close to the commitment date as you Absolutely. can. Absolutely. And then when you got some people that are decommitting from all these big schools, and I wouldn't be surprised if Nico tries to reach out to some of them and, you know, just see if he can't persuade some of these big – because, I mean, they should have five-star commitments decommit from Ohio State. Not that I think we're on the top of his list, but players like that you can go after and maybe pull a couple ones you didn't expect to pull. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, he's uh, the best peer recruiter in the country. So not only did you get, you know, one of the highest rated quarterbacks you got in a long time, but you got a guy that's out there uh, reeling in some other big fish for you. So I think it's big. And you can't speak enough to what Neil Brown's done. And, a lot uh, of kids proven uh, Dana Hogerson wrong. You know, I was on a Dana Hogerson hate thing this episode, I guess. But I'm just saying, you know, Dana said, you know, weren't going to get the players, can't recruit at West Virginia. Uh, Neil Brown is uh, putting he that to shame. He could West Virginia. Right. <laughs> Dana Hogerson can't recruit. Well, if you see Houston, they're ranked in the 90s or something like that right now. And, you know, that's yeah. what in the Houston area, you know, I don't think one they of the most talent, that's crazy. You know, that's one of the most talent rich places there is. So if that doesn't tell you something, then, you know, you just got to be able to work. And Neil Brown's the hardest worker that I know personally. I mean, I don't personally know Neil Brown, but, you know, what I'm saying that person that I know, I don't know many people that work harder than Neil Brown. Well, I think that was well, something that <laughs> I wish I do it personally. <laughs> yeah, when Nico Brown or Nico Brown, when Nico was doing his interview with the three guys before the game, he was talking about when he came to WVU that they didn't put Neil Brown up on a perch. They didn't say, "Hey, look at our coach and everything right. he could do, everything he has done." It's family oriented. Yeah, it's all about you and about how you want to play, you know. And I thought that that was super impressive because I mean, as easy it would be to be like, "Hey, here's Neil Brown. He, you know, did this at Troy. He's developed these players. He's doing this and this and that." It's not about him, you know. It's about our program. Absolutely. You know, I, and I love that, that he's really focused on the players. I think that that's helping with how he's building the program, you know, focus on the players, focus on recruiting, you know, and everything he did when he, as we talk about those facilities, as he's given that tour, he's talking about how this can be used for recruiting, how this can help the players. It's all, it's all about the players and stuff. And do you guys think that moving to the ACC might have an effect on our recruiting? 
Um, yeah, um, in a lot in a lot of ways, I think so because those guys, those it's going to be closer for recruits' families to be able to come to a games, away games, and everything. You know, um, it's just because that's a lot of the areas that Western Virginia recruits are. You know, right there at the ACC. You know, you're talking North Carolina, uh, Florida. Uh, you know, right through there, that's you know West Virginia's recruiting areas, and a lot of those you know our ACC programs are in those areas. So I think that it could really even help bolster it more than it is. And if West Virginia comes in there recruiting like they are right now, top twenty, top fifteen type classes, uh, look out. Yeah, I think that it would you know help West Virginia's recruiting a lot more than what it does right now because right now West Virginia's recruiting guys from Texas and you know out that way on the Midwest. You know, on top of what they've already been recruiting, like you say, Cruz in Florida and Ohio, you mm-hmm. get guys originally with Georgia, you would, yeah, Michigan, Georgia, Georgia's yeah, been blown up. Yeah. Traditionally, that's where we've recruited in the past. It's Pennsylvania, Ohio, Florida. You know, yeah. and down through. And the I AC, wonder, I wonder if Neil Brown's using the ACC conversion. Maybe he has been using it. He's been known for like the past six months, and maybe been telling some of these recruits, "Yeah, in the next, in your time here in school, I expect us to be in the ACC playing on the East Coast." Yeah. Or not even if he says, you know, in the ACC, he said, "I expect us to be in a conference that geogra- ge- geographically fits us, you know, better, and you be closer to your family, and your family be closer to you, and you know, be able to come." Yeah, you might have not only your away games, exactly. But uh, you know, speaking this of the, might be how Nico's talking about. Oh yeah, I know we're going to the ACC or something like that. Because that might be oh, something. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, recruits uh, hey, that was a big hot topic. <laughs> you'll be playing close to home here soon, so. Yeah, I think I think you know you never know. You can't rule it out because I think that no matter what move West Virginia makes, I think that that's going to be uh, the result is they're going to be playing teams that geographically fit them geogra- geographically. That's a hard word to say for me today for whatever reason. But anyway, speaking of the players, uh, mentioned it a little bit briefly earlier. I uh, got my notes up here so I can tell you exactly who was on what watch list. But uh, yeah, Jared Dagey and Letty Brown on the Maxwell uh, Player of the Year watch list. Uh, Darius, I mean, excuse me, Dante Stills on the Benaric Nagurski out and Outland watch list. Then Letty Brown also on the Doak Walker watch list. Uh, Michael Laughlin on the Mackey. Winston Wright on the Paul Hornig watch list. So uh, several guys on watch list there, mainly offensive players. Uh, Stills looking like the lone uh, defensive player on the watch list so far. Uh, do you think any of those guys have a shot at those awards at the end of the season? And if so, which one uh, stands out to you there, Stephen? Uh, I think other than and other than Dante, I think Letty's got to stand out to me. I think that you know Letty's going to have a big, big year, especially if we can get our offensive line to you know get our zone blocking schemes down better than they have been in the previous years. I think Letty's going to have a, a big, big year because he, he, he impressed me a lot last year. I, I would I would agree with you, Stills and Letty. I think, you know, that's two guys you took to me today. That's your senior leaders and arguably your two best players on the team. Uh, Bradley, what about you? Uh, you like this preseason recognition some of these Mountaineers are getting, and do you think that bodes well for the season, and who do you think stands out of that? Yeah, I think it's nice to see that the whole like that people are keeping an eye on us. Like we're not just getting slept on. You know, Jared Diggy didn't have an awful year last year. He protected the ball pretty good and he did well with what he could outside of getting stripped, sacked, and fumbled too many times, cost us a few games, which was his biggest mistakes last year. Yeah, yeah. But that should be fixed with an offensive line. I don't know if we have any award winners. I think the closest we're gonna get to that is Dante. I think that being on the defensive side and like he has a really good chance to really set himself apart from the rest of the country this year. But I just don't see Jared Dick. I can see him being finalist. I can see Winston Wright being a finalist. And I can see Letty Brown all being a finalist for the respective reward, uh, awards in their positions. But uh, it's just, it's tough to win those, you know. I would say oh, yeah. without having an absolute outstanding season, I think it goes Dante and then Letty Brown because I think Letty Brown is so. an absolute I would agree stud. With that. But it's a hard, you know, there's a lot of good running backs out there that are in a, a better of system backs than in the Big 12 alone. In. Brees Hall, Deuce Vaughn, um, Bijan Robinson. Yeah, Yeah, Eric Gray just transferred from Tennessee to Oklahoma. His award, but Winston Wright's got to have a good season. You know, he can't get overshadowed. He's really got to. I think if he makes, you know, maybe he runs a kick kickback like he did a couple years ago or something that would uh, give him, you know, a better argument. You know, get them all purpose yards because you know he's going to get some carries, he's going to get some catches, and you know, be there as a return man as well. But uh, speaking of that, you know, Big Twelve Media Days. 
last episode we kind of didn't really get to talk about it. Conference realignment's kind of been the focus, and it's kind of been all around. But Big 12 Media Days did happen. Uh, West Virginia was picked to finish sixth in the conference's preseason poll. Kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on uh, – I don't know if you guys got to see Media Day, uh, Neil Brown's uh, press conference there. I thought it was really great. If you guys saw that, maybe get your thoughts on that. But uh, more so than that, your thoughts on West Virginia being picked sixth in the conference do you think that's too low too high uh, what are your thoughts there bradley um I, I personally wouldn't put us there but i like that they put us there because i think that we're starting to hit a transitional time in our program you know we're hitting our third year it's supposed to be the year that neil brown you know where you can really judge how well a program's been doing um which sidebar we also got to remember last year was a year of covid it was a lot different year they didn't even have spring ball and i mean they were you know, they had a tough year last year, so I can't even you call that a half a year of development under Neil Brown. So he's under his second and a half year. Right. Um, and I think that him coming out and taking an aggressive stance against that and being like, oh, so that's, that's where they want to put us, then it's just up to us to prove them wrong. And so I think that we're trying to do that transition from trust the climb to they're looking down like they're underestimating yeah. us. They're, they haven't been trusting. Well, they have, we've been trusting the climb, and they haven't been believing us, and now it's our time to show it. That underdog so, mentality has always been big for West Virginia, and I agree with you. I think you could take that and use it. Uh, Stephen, what are your thoughts on where West Virginia was picked and, you know, other thoughts you may have on Big 12 media days? Uh, too low, uh, you know, just outright too low. I think West Virginia's got a lot of talent coming back. I think, you know, losing some of what we lost on the defensive side of the ball may have attributed to why they picked us, you know, to finish that low. But I think West Virginia will be all right defensively. They might not be as – as good as they were last year, but I think they'll be pretty close. Um, but offensively, I think we're going to be much, much improved. I think that we're going to be throwing it out there a lot more this year than what we did uh, in the previous in the previous year. It'll look a lot more than it like it did two years ago. And I think I think West Virginia should end up around three or four. This I year. could see that. I, I would I would argue uh, three would be great. You know, ideal situation, but I think four. I think, you know, four would probably be where I'd say right right now off, you right. know, just scoring, you know. But um, like I said, this has been the season four kickoff show, kicking off season four. West Virginia starting fall camp Friday, uh, fan day Saturday there at the stadium. I believe they report uh, Friday, first practice Saturday, open to the public, uh, open to the media. So we'll probably have some good news coming out of that. Maybe uh, next week, you know, have a show talking about some of the news that comes out of that. And then more conference realignment stuff as it comes. But we will have the season prediction roundtable coming up soon. Uh, very soon we'll go through, you know, game by game as we do every year, uh, making our record prediction for West Virginia. But uh, to wrap this episode up, I kind of thought we could do a way too early uh, bold prediction, uh, you know, kind of hot take, whatever you want to call it, for West Virginia this upcoming season. Each kind of kind of give one uh, and uh, go from there, just kind of wrap this up, something fun to do. Uh, Bradley, uh, what would be your uh, bold prediction for the 2021 season for West Virginia right now? Like what bowl we might end up in? No, bold prediction, hot take, bold. you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Bold predi- I thought you said bold prediction. I'm like, I don't know what bold we're going <laughs> to go to. Bold, like. Bold. Bold, B-O-L-D. Like big letters. Bold prediction, I think that – being a true Mountaineer fan, this doesn't even feel bold. It's like everything you want to say is like, oh, I saw it coming. I think we have a thousand yard rusher and a thousand yard receiver. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. Um, I'm going to go real bold. So I'm just going to say this and then uh, let pass it to Steven. So I'm going to say uh, Jarrett Dagey leads the big 12 in passing yards. West Virginia wins 10 games uh, in a season that kind of echoes 2016. Skylar Howard underrated Jarrett Dagey underrated. I'm getting those vibes. So that's just something I'm throwing out there. That's my bold take. Don't know if I'll go with that on the season prediction roundtable, but bold take. There you go. Jarrett Dagey leads the Big 12 passing yards, 10 wins for West Virginia. Steven? Well, I'll tell you what, buddy. If that happens with my bold take, if we don't win a national championship, then where there is something wrong in Morgantown. But I've got, I've, got two, <laughs> I've got two bold takes. My first one, I feel very, very confident in. Um, I think Letty Brown will be a top three national rusher this year. I think he'll be Ooh, one like of the top that. three running backs in the country. Um, my second one is that Akeem Mazador will be just as dominant as a defend uh, a defensive uh, as a defensive lineman as Dante Steals. Oh, okay, I like that. I hope I also, so. I mean, because if both those guys I are standing out, that's going to be big. Feel very confident in that because Akeem Mazador last year turned some heads. 
Yep. He, he and he's going to be even better. A lot better than uh, anyone, I think, uh, anticipated him to be. Anticipated. But you also got to remember, he's coming out, he was coming from out of an unknown and playing from behind, like, uh, you know, some bigger guys that were true. probably true. wearing out some lines. So he's definitely going to be a little bit more focused this year. I hope he's still Well, that, that's that's true. But I, th- I do still think that Dante is going to be taking the big bulk of the double teams. So that's going to free up Akeem free a lot up Akeem, more. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. I'd like really to see Sean like Martin it. some. I just want to I think Sean Martin's going to get some playing time. I think he will. get some playing time. I think I you'll do. see a lot of rotation on that defensive line, guys. There's yep. going to be a lot this year. Yep, Taj Austin coming back. That's big. Mm-hmm. And yep. then uh, Middleton, they just got from Tennessee. He's going to get some action. So that's kind of – I think that's the guy uh, – all the guys we just named are going to be the, a lot of the guys rotating in there. Yeah, I mean, outside of the defensive line, too, I mean, we've got some good guys on the on the defense that we're, we're – you know, we really don't give a lot of credit to, whether it's been to them being injured in the past or – you know, could you guys remember, imagine if we kept Tyke Smith and Sean Miller? Oh, gosh. I don't want to talk about it. I mean, I've chosen to put my focus on to Scotty Young. I think he's going to be a great player. I don't want to say we're not going to miss a beat because Tyke's amazing, but I think he's going to fill in great hey. there. And I'm just kind of trying to put Tyke out of my head and Sean out of my head hey. because I'm like, it is what it is. I can't, I can't, I can't dwell it's, on it. It's okay. We got Daryl Porter Jr., guys. <laughs> we Locked got down. this. We got this. That's right. Hey, I, I'm telling you, a guy, Josh Chandler. I'm just a guy, Josh Chandler Semito. I've been hearing a lot about him taking over that Tony Fields role at the mic. So, I mean, it could be a big year for him, I think. Although, Josh Chandler did get his head knocked off in practice the other day. I don't know if you guys seen that video. Oh, that was, oh, oh my going. goodness. <laughs> yeah. It really oh, man, wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be a Josh Chandler. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be a video of. Of him, I forget who the, it was uh, highlighting, but so oh. bad for the guy. Hey, right, boys, it's getting close. I'm getting excited. Pretty you know, sure it was an offensive player starting. setting a block. Oh yeah, I think I, I, I think I, I think I've seen that, but I don't remember getting a block on a middle linebacker. Part. Let's go. Oh, it was it <laughs> hey, came around a lot. It was it was pretty that run game. pretty graphic. <laughs> Yeah, I, like I think it. no, I think we're in for a good season, boys, and we're getting close. Like I said, fall camp about to start, and you know we're recording today. It's uh, August third. Today we're recording this. So first game September fourth. So just a month, about a month away from the season starting. So um, getting there. You know, like I said, season prediction roundtable coming up. Any news comes up in between, we may pop another episode in there before we get to the season prediction roundtable. But got that to look forward to as always. Uh, follow us on Twitter at WVU Country Roads. Like us on Facebook, and you know subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've been trying to get that going now with the video side of this podcast so uh country roads webcast if you like if you like it there you know like the video subscribe that helps us there as we try and grow on youtube as we're in the fourth year of the podcast but you know trying to branch out to the video side now as well so always do that and um any final thoughts here fellas before we wrap this up you guys um nope i'm good all right steven acc please please (laughs) acc give us a call um we will act as the ambassadors for West Virginia and uh, litigate the uh, talks between you guys if you need us to. Yeah, don't worry about Shane Lyons. Just yeah, wait. Just yeah. Right here. Us. Who needs that guy? <laughs> but no, we're in good hands. Uh, but yeah, ACC, we're, we're reaching out. <laughs> no, but uh it's been it's been a great episode looking forward to getting back you know uh here in this in the swing of things dropping these you know weekly as much as we can and then especially once the season starts definitely be doing that but looking forward to the season prediction roundtable and the and uh fall camp start and hopefully some news comes out of that and we'll be back here on the country roads webcast to talk about it but as always i'm your host jordan cruz and for steven and bradley until next time let's go mountaineers yeah,